The following podcast contains spoilers for the tales of Beetle the Bard. Hello and welcome to Hogwarts Universe Talk. This is your host, Arca Payne, and this is episode number one for the week of December 1st, 2008. Welcome to Hogwarts Universe Talk. This is your host, Arca Payne, and... Let me tell you a little bit about the podcast in the site. I'm going to save more of it for episode 2, but... Basically, I have lots of opinions about Harry Potter, and I like to talk about it a lot to anyone, even if they haven't read the book. So I thought, why not create a podcast? That'll help get my opinions heard by everyone. And so said the Slytherin in me, which is not that much. I'm a Ravenclaw, by the way. So, I basically am trying to, I'm trying to still focus on trying to find out what to focus this podcast on, but I think it'll just be general Harry Potter talk, maybe some discussion. I'll try and get some new hosts, some other hosts on. That should probably be nice. And, yeah, more about that next week. The news for the week of December 1st, 2008. The documentary, We Are Wizards, about the Harry Potter subculture, has started accepting DVD orders. Check it out at the link in the blog. And uh, a total of 8 million copies of the Tales of Beetle the Bard were published in total, including about 3.5 million in the US alone. So. That's quite a lot compared to Deathly Hallows, which is 12 million, and I don't think that many people are going to buy this. Although, people should buy it. And people are expecting it to crash into number one at bookstores. Earlier yesterday, well, whenever it was, Arthur Levine unveiled his copy of The Tales of Vidal Bard, which was handwritten by Joe. And. Later, Barry Cunningham also showed his copy. Arthur Levine said his favorite tale was The Fair Fountain of Fair Fortune, which he later read. According to J.K. Rowling, the idea actually came from us fans, as she said that, quote, There was quite a lot of high feeling from the Harry Potter fans that only someone who had two million pounds could afford to read the book. I thought, fair point. So, I'll publish it, and then the charity can have that money, too. So, thanks, Joe. That's an awesome gift. So the main discussion for this week is obviously in the newly released Tales of Beetle the Bard. By Beetle the Bard. And, let's see. Translated from the Ancient Ruins by Hermione Granger. Commentary by Albus Dumbledore. Introduction, Notes, and Illustrations by J.K. Rowling So, overall, the book was great. It was, it's, it's, a uh, it's fairy tales, but I think anyone could read it and enjoy it as just stories. And also, it's, it's a really, it's a really comprehensive, like, look at society in the wizarding world both in the 15th century and now, thanks to Dumbledore's notes. 
And also to note is that J.K. Rowling has pretty much made herself a Lemony Snicket-like character in the Harry Potter world. She seems to be talking with Hermione and Dumbledore, and she regularly comments on Dumbledore's notes as if she knows more about them, <laughs> which is awesome. And Dumbledore's commentary was quite, it was a bit different than I expected. I thought it would be like side notes, but this was much better because there were actually like whole pages after the story that talked about that Dumbledore wrote. And I think Dumbledore wrote it for publishing. And of course, then we can always say that Dumbledore knew everything that was going to happen, and so he knew it was going to get published, but that's a whole nother story. So. Dumbledore's commentary is it shows character it shows his character as well as his views on society which is great and I I think Dumbledore's commentary was one of the best things about the book so the tales have um one two three four five stories the wizard in the hopping pot the fountain of your fortune the Warlock's Harry Heart, Babbity Gravity and Her Cackling Stomp, and The Tale of the Three Brothers. Which is weird, somewhere I thought it said eight. So, if I had to rank them in order, I'd probably say Babbity Rabbity, The Fountain, The Wizard, Sopping Pod. Maybe. Maybe The Tale of the Three Brothers and The, and the Warlock's Harry Heart. The Warlock's Harry Heart was just. nah. And the Tale of Three Brothers, I kind of disagree with the message that Dumbledore and Jicho say, but more on that later. First of all, the Wizard in the Hopping Pot. Basically, a kind wizard who does good stuff with his magic and pretends it's in a pot. He dies, his son gets the pot. <laughs> the pot. The cauldron. Whatever. And, um, they, uh, well, actually it's a pot. Yeah, so he the first people come to him for help and then he refuses, then the pop like gets it it displays signs of the people's afflictions, like it sprouts a brass leg or it grows warts and for some reason it hops, but in the end he gets really pissed at the pot and so he kind of decides to because the pot's kind of he get he just he kills everyone who requested it and puts the slipper which he got from the cauldron in the pot and he they live happily ever after. Dumbledore's commentary says that it's talking about the wizard's conscience and how the pot helps him realize his conscience and work for the benefit of people who are less fortunate than him. Which I think is a good message. It's kind of like love thy neighbor, but um, it's also about muggle loving, but not too much into that except for except for you shouldn't treat muggles bad. Some interesting stuff like apparently muggle muggle lovers are called like. Mud wallower, dung licker, scum sucker. Interesting. Um, 
Then there's this great character which she invented, Beat Beatrix Bloxham, author of the infam infamous Toadstool Tales, which is like a, it's not a parody, it's like, it's like the clean version of the tales, it, which is crazy because it's like censored and more supposedly age appropriate, and I think Dumbledore is trying to again say that people underestimate kids and that kids can take a lot more than what people make them out to because apparently people people and apparently when kids read the toad's tool tales they it was fault um the response from generations of wizarding children uncontrollable retching followed by an immediate demand to have the book taken from them and mashed into pulp oh dumbledore the next tale is a found in a fair fortune, which is a lot of people's favorites, including Arthur Levine's. Basically, there are three ma three um witches and a Muggle knight. They have to. There's this fountain which, if you drink, if you bathe in it, I think, it gives you good luck and fair fortune. It's supposed to be magic, but it's really not. And so, the witches and the Night dude, he, they go and they go through many obstacles. Eventually, they reach the fountain, and by the time they're done, they go through so much that they all realize that their problems have been solved. And if it, the knight does go in, but and he he thinks it uh, it affected him, but in reality, it's just it's um just the it's like Felix Felicis basically what Harry did to Ron and it's more it's like the the lesson the um, life is what happens when you're busy working yeah um interesting notes by Dumbledore on this about Professor Kettleburn who's kind of a kooky nut kind of a crazy person. Interesting about the, the Wizarding Academy of Dramatic Arts. And there's uh, one of the greatest lines of Dumbledore in this book is, this exchange marked the beginning of Mr. Malfoy's long campaign to have me removed from my post as headmaster of Hogwarts, and of mine to have him removed from his position as Lord Voldemort's favorite Death Eater. What I like about the Collector's Edition is that they spell things British like favorite with an O-U. Yeah. Uh, another thing I think is um, it's very feminist because the main characters are female and they're the strong ones. The knight's pretty... He's not... There are many... There's a lot in this tale. Like, the knight is like... He's like a nerd, even though he's a knight, but he's, he's, no one likes him, he's, he's Sir Luckless, but eventually he's, they, because he's so chivalrous and all, the, he takes the hand and heart of the third witch, Amata, Amada, whatever, and they get married, which is basically, which sprouts lots of talk about, um, muggle, wizarding marriages. 
but I don't think there's that much. Then, of course, um, yeah. The Warlock's Harry Heart. This is the freakiest story I've read in a long time. I don't even know how to talk about it. There was this crazy rich guy, Warlock, who was, who realized that, who thought, it's, it's a Voldemort. It's like, it's 15th century Voldemort. He didn't believe in love, and he thought love was crappy for material and emotional stuff, and it would waste life, so he decided to cut out his heart, keep it in a Davy Jones chest, and just live a shell of a life, kind of. Getting rich and all, but nope, nothing. No happiness. No real happiness, anyway. And then eventually he gets jealous of, of love, and he tries to force it out. He finds this, um... Which of prodigi prodigious skill and possessed of much gold, whose beauty was such that it tugged at the heart of every man who set eyes on her, except this guy, of course. So he tried to get her to marry him, but she didn't like him because she had no heart. And then eventually he showed her the heart, and he stuck it back in himself. But then, in the end. Basically, he kills her. It's a suicide, homicide, whatever you call that. And, yeah, blood, it's a horrible picture at the end of him. They're both dead with in a pool of blood. I don't know if there's that. It's crazy. It's kind of the Voldemort theme of Half-Blood Prince and Deadly Hallows and about trying to make yourself better by making yourself less human by taking away characteristics like love and kindness and stuff um a lot of the Dumbledore's notes is about the magical take on this about, but I think it's I don't think it can be applied so much to muggles um I don't know, it's just a messed up story. Babbity Rabbity and her cackling stump. This is probably my favorite of stories, because it was just fun and enjoyable. Basically, Babbity... Okay, there's this king who wanted magic. He hired this pretend wizard, and he... It's a lot of charades. They pretended to... He pretended to be a, to make the king do magic. Eventually, the babby rabbity woman came along, and she's a real witch. And So, when the king was performing his magic in front of the crowd, she was doing this stuff behind the scenes. Behind the bush, rather. And then... She gets caught, and so she they chase her. She hides inside a stump, they inside a tree. They think that she transformed in the tree. They chop her down. It's a lot of like it's more about magic and the nature of magic. 
I call it like, I call it like, um, magic doesn't solve all their problems, like bringing back the dead, and magic shouldn't solve all your problems. Like, if you have magic, you should. St it doesn't mean that use magic for everything. Oh, let me. It's like kind of like um, how if Muggles discovered magic, which is what this is. That they would ask you to do everything with magic and... Oh, I cut myself. Heal me, please. I'll... Interesting note on Dumbled by Dumbledore here. There's uh, um, a wizarding philosopher who writes, A study into the possibility of reversing the actual and metaphysical effects of natural death within particular regard to the re reintegration of essence and matter. This is an interesting take on muggle and wizarding philosophy. This whole metaphysical thing. It's going to affect my own personal theory of Joe's magic. But I think it's a lot on the nature of magic more than much else. The Tale of the Three Brothers. We all know what this one's about. Three brothers are crossing a uh, river, death comes along, and because they made a bridge and cheated him, they cheat death, and so death tries to tempt them with rewards that seem to prolong death, I mean, prolong life and prevent death, but in reality, death is giving them stuff cleverly that will lead to their own demises, a wand of, which shows that pride can lead to your own downfall the stone shows that love or not love it that the dead can never be brought back from life and that by trying to bring people back from the dead you're cheating you're trying to reverse death the last one is the most interesting the invisibility cloak death is gave the brother an invisibility cloak now, according to the story, the brother wears the invisibility cloak, and death cannot find him until the brother removes it at the end of his life. Now, first of all, he lived a pretty much. I, I think he lived a pretty. It sounds like he lived a fulfilled. It says he lived a long life. It never says he lived a fulfilled or accomplished life. I don't think the third brother was a happy ending. I think it would have been better if they never used any of the hallows. I mean items and just went about with life as normal because that's I think that's what the moral should be that basically that you don't have to try and avoid death or be overly precautious or hide in the corners in the darkness to avoid death and that your main goal should be to prolong life you should be able to live a life that's worth living. I think I, I'd like to talk to Dumbledore about that. Dumbledore is a very interesting character here. There's a lot of character development, I guess. Like, first, he's a bit cocky, I guess. Um. Those who are knowledgeable about Wandlore, there's a, uh, um, what you call them? There's a footnote. 
It says, such as myself, referring to Dumbledore. Also interesting is that um, there's no, there's never any, um, no witch has ever claimed to own the Elder Wand. Make of that what you will. I, I like this Dumbledore. It's kind of like the witty Dumbledore that you see in the books, especially in the earlier books. This notes, these notes were written around like middle of Order of the Phoenix, which Dumbledore, Harry is ignoring you while and you're giving. He's wondering. He thinks you're doing something important now, and to ignore him, and you're really just up here writing about stories. Come on. That ends our first episode, or maybe a mini-sode, it's only like 20-25 minutes, of Hogwarts Universe Talk. So, join us soon when we actually start the podcast. No, this will not be episode zero, because God knows what that's going to do to iTunes. And hopefully we'll, I'll get some other, some more of my, some other people to join me. And, um, I'm glad you've stayed so far for these brutal 20 minutes, 19 minutes. So, uh, contact me by email at hogwartsuniverse.live.com. The website is hogwartsuniverse.wordpress.com. Go check it out, hogwartsuniverse.wordpress.com. You can see videos on YouTube at either youtube.com slash paintfoot p-a-i-n-f-o-o-t or youtube.com slash hogwarts universe twitter is hogwarts world because universe is too long twitter.com slash hogwarts world i guess if this if anyone actually downloads this i'll by then I'll maybe I will have Facebook or stuff like that for the show. Check out our feed on well I don't know where it'll be on by now. iTunes I still have to get uh signed up for that and maybe audio.com, podcast alley, anywhere else. Just just tell people about the show and I hope you can join us next time. And hopefully, this is a real mess of a podcast, I won't lie. It's my first dab at podcasting, so it might not be the best that you've ever seen. It's no MuggleCast or PotterCast, but by the way, I'm sorry if it seems a bit like another podcast because I listen to so many Harry Potter podcasts, MuggleCast, PotterCast, HP Prognostications... Wizarding Wireless, Hogwarts Radio, The Hogshead. Yeah, so sorry, I'll try and get more of myself and more make this more unique. So be prepared for more organized and well-planned episode next time. So goodbye. See you next time. <laughs>